When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush premium interiors and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. With a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, see why 2000 through 2021 sales. Welcome to the weekly show here on the Blue Room. Uh, Everton are playing. The sun is shining. Everyone's in a great mood. Uh, Dave Downey's also been out playing golf again, so he's got a big smile on his face. Although, by all accounts, Dave, your back's been screaming at you the past couple of days. Oh yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep properly last night. It, like it felt like I needed to get up and, and sleep on the hard floor. It was that bad. Um, just just using muscles and using parts of my body that I haven't used for like what six months. I think since we were allowed to play last. But yeah, I mean, how good's it been being able to get out in the fresh air and seeing people like a sense of normality? Do you know what I mean? It's just been lovely. And, and I've been lucky enough to get tea time because I'm not a member anywhere at the moment. So um, Monday, I managed to get in somewhere. Well, I had a bit of a story on Monday. So I had somewhere booked. There's a lovely course in Windermere. Obviously a bit of a trek. But we had it booked for like about, literally since the uh, the announcement of lockdown lifting, we had it booked. 16 of us, everyone just took the day off work or phoned in sick or something because they were that desperate. Uh, got up to I hope you didn't phone in sick day if someone was responsible and professional as you. <laughs> I've never phoned in sick. It's my, Monday's my day off, Matt, so that's you know, fine for me. I'm talking about some others out there, you know, perhaps need that outlet of name, name. off and they've been stuck <laughs> indoors for that long. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like obviously, it, the, the weather was quite dodgy over the weekend gone. Um and the tea time was booked for 10 past seven, uh, 10 past nine. So I had to leave mine about quarter to seven, really early start. Picked up a couple of mates and we're on the M6. And we got a call off the course when we got to Lancaster. So we were about 30, 40 miles out. And they said they had 50 millimeters of rain overnight and the course was closed. Oh, no. So literally just put my foot down, got to the Lancaster services. And we were sat there like, 
what are we going to do here? Like everyone was just so revved up for the game of golf. Um, anyway, just put all of our heads together and managed to get somewhere in Blackpool called Heron's Reach. And it's it's probably about just three miles short of Blackpool Tower. It's like right on the coast, but it's still a parkland course. It's not a Lynx course, as you'd expect on the coast. Um, and it was the boggiest golf course I've ever played in my life. The way <laughs> thing about it was all I've done in lockdown is like buy golf stuff, you know, like new shoes, new pants, everything, uh, clubs, the lot, and they were just caked in shit after about three, <laughs> after about three holes, and I was like, I'm devastated. But then yesterday I played a little bit more closer to home, Altrincham, and it was still a little bit boggy, to be fair, because of the rain we've had, but it was so nice because the weather was incredible. It was really overcast on Monday, but yesterday yeah. was stunning, as, as obviously you guys know. Um, I know Adam would have a tan if he didn't have that hair covered in his face. Well, yeah, <laughs> Dave, Dave's right. Adam George from the Liverpool Echo does join us here. And I'm, I'm always delighted whenever uh, Adam probably comes on these podcasts every three weeks, a month. Um, and every time recently he's come on, I've always been anticipating is the hair still going to be there? And it is very yeah. much still there, isn't it? Yeah, it's just progressively getting worse. I'm not, I'm not doing the boiling of just shaving it off. Because I was saying this to Paddy actually when we, we saw each other at Goodison the other week. I'm scared if I shave my hair off, it's just never going to come back. Like, I, I've, I've just got that, like, weird feeling that it's just never, ever going to grow back. And I'm now, I was meant to have a haircut just before, like, just after this latest lockdown came in. So I've gone now, I think it's like over four months without a haircut. And that's just ridiculous for me. Like, I'm, I'm, it's gone too far, Matt. It's too far. <laughs> I've 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 gone just as long without a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's that's pretty standard for me. I, I typically get say, my haircut yeah, every yeah. four four months or so. so. Do you know what I hate? Because obviously we how long have we been doing this on video now? It's a couple of years, isn't it? And obviously there's a reason why I chose radio as as my sort of entry into <laughs> into sports journalism. But we won't go into that. But I never thought it'd be because of me Barnett, which has got like just really thin, like it's just it's just like a Brillo pad these days. Um, so I, I always have to try and sit in a certain light so it doesn't look as bad. But if I was to show you the back, having been out in the sun yesterday without any sun cream, it, it, <laughs> you know we'd have to increase this to an explicit show because you nobody wants. To <laughs> yeah, I've caught the sun a bit myself as well. I'm like having having like a diagonal fringe, like half my forehead's like red and half it's white, so like someone's dying across it. Yeah, we are here obviously to have a chat about all things uh, Everton as well as much I'm enjoying the Barnett debate, um, England of the 21s in action as we speak. So um, things could happen in that regards to qualification. But Ben Godfrey and Tom Davis aren't playing. Uh, we'll have a chat a little bit about that and what they've been involved in with the under-21s a little bit later on. We'll also have a chat about the new format potentially that's going to take place for European qualification. Uh, something Everton will hope to be involved in by the time this comes around, obviously with the, the coefficients and the confusion all around that and what that could potentially mean. But... I suppose there's, there's only one place to start, lads, and that's with the, the news that, that came out on Friday night, somewhat out the blue, and that was that the government have given full approval for Everton to go and, and build the stadium at Bramley Moor Dock. Um, I'll, I'll come to you first on, on this one, Dave. I think it caught us by surprise a little bit, all this, in the, the, um, the announcement, and I think all the stuff going on with the, the City Council and Liverpool, I think a lot of people sort of anticipated that that would sort of hold this up, if anything, but... Um, I think the, the announcement as a result was a surprise. And I think the, the sort of, I was just saying this yesterday, I think the exciting thing and the un, unnerving thing is that doesn't really seem to be Everton stop. It doesn't really seem to be anything stopping Everton from going and building this thing now. No, as, uh, as, as much as I think, I mean, I put at the time, there'll be those within the club's four walls who, who probably looking at each other thinking, is this for real? Have we actually done this? Is, the, is, this, is there nothing going to stop us from actually going ahead and building this now? And, you know, jokingly put, you know, people will be looking at each other thinking, what happens next? What do we do now that this is being given approval? We've never got this far. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still still in with a relative feeling of disbelief, to be honest, because um, in the last few months, particularly since, I would say since the pandemic, things have gone very, very smoothly, haven't they, with this? Um, when I thought that would be something initially that would be a massive roadblock and whatever guys it took, whether it be financial in terms of getting the funding to secure this, whether it be to do with even just the sort of legalities of, of actually starting a building project of this magnitude down on the on the docks. Um, but it, if anything, it seems to have 
sped everything up in many ways because I presume there's less work for many people to do now uh, who make these decisions, both in local and central government. Um, obviously, the the the, uh, the Conservative government, the, the government of the day, are actually trying to be proactive with this sort of thing um, because it'll bring so many jobs to the city. And, and that's, I think, what many of us have been screaming about since the very start, isn't it? The, the frustration, I think, for many blues in all this is be, is due to the fact of the failed efforts of previous incarnations of an Everton Stadium. Um, and, you know, any any slight hiccup or delay in anything that's happened, um, we've all sort of looked at each other and thought, oh, here we go again. But to their credit, they've been immaculate, every single one to a person. And we, we have a pretty good relation. I know Adam will know a hell of a lot more people who are, who are involved in this, but we have a real good, real, proactive working relationship with Mo Magazaki, who's a big part of the stadium development now. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted for him. I, I, every step of this, obviously, he's a, he's a massive blue himself, so it'll mean a lot to him personally. But his team and everyone around that should be mightily proud that they got to this stage. And now we're just looking at bricks and mortar, aren't we? And, and construction and all that stuff. I think it'll become a bit of a tourist spot almost immediately, won't it? As soon as work does begin, everyone will be down there and getting photos and, and, and sort of memories to take forward. It's obviously going to happen. And it's going to happen once in our lifetime, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it, to say it's historic for the club is, is an understatement. And, you know, it's just, I still, I still can't imagine myself in a new stadium watching Everton and calling that home. Um, and, and obviously that brings you on to Goodison and, the legacy project and everything they're doing with that, that's going to be spectacular as well. But I, I still can't even begin to surmise or even put into words how difficult it's going to be leaving Goodison initially to go to this wonderful new place that's very much needed, of course. But, you know, now, now there's a there's a time limit on Goodison. That I'm pretty sure they'll install some sort of countdown clock at some point, like Arsenal did when they left uh, Highbury. And... Um, you know, it, it'll be emotional and, and the whole journey has been emotional because when was it that the intention was announced when they bought the uh, the ground off Peel Holdings? 2016, wasn't it? Around this time, five years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and now to have nothing in their way, there's literally nothing that can, can stop them. And uh, it's, it's just a massively exciting time. And if we're able to supplement that with what's going on on the pitch for the next few years whilst it's getting built, you know, the, the, you know, there's no ceiling to what Evan can go on and achieve now. Yeah, it, it is really exciting, and I think Dave said something there, Adam, which I think is is really I've sort of been thinking about quite a lot the, the last few days, and and that's how smooth this sort of latter part of the process has gone. And I think you know, just because it's Everton and because of what's going on in, in the city and council there at the moment, I think a lot of people have sort of anticipated there'll be some kind of stumbling block somewhere along the line and, and and you'll probably know this this better than anybody because you know the cut the coverage you you guys have done the echo has been been so in depth and mm. and great around all this but you know I think at times earlier in the process it did feel a bit like oh god here we go again it's it's another stadium admin thing it's another survey it's another, it's another road show you know wh- why can't we just get on with, with with getting this push through and getting this thing built but, but it almost feels as though we're sort of we're, we're reaping the benefits of that now at, at the end time when you know they, they put so much work in and made sure every base was covered early on and it, it was tiresome and it was a little bit arduous at times but all that groundwork they've done they were sort of like building a stadium in itself isn't it sort of carry on that yeah. metaphor they put really strong foundations in place and now they've been able to get the flourish at the end yeah i think probably the, the best example of all that uh, kind of feeling that you're talking about there was maybe you know when they submitted the uh, the redesigned bits of the stadium with that new like stepped plaza, like on the uh, on the west side and stuff like that. I think at, at that point, and then they had to do you know another another consultation period after that. I think at that point, you know, we when we were reporting on that, we saw a lot of people just going, "Oh, this is it now! Like this is this is the stumbling block. Why can't they just build it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But I think I think you're completely right. You know, the the meticulous work that's gone into this. You know, it might have been frustrating for. For a couple of years but I think we are absolutely reaping the benefits of it right now and I think you know that that planning that planning pe- uh, committee meeting was probably you know it came as a tiny bit of a shock to me I, I was expecting for some reason you know there was you know when you've heard 
you know, years of, you know, heritage concerns and, you know, what are, where are the bats going to live from the hydraulic tower? <laughs> you know, when you've had years of stuff like that, you, you know, I was just thinking to myself, oh, who's going to be, who's going to be going on about this in this planning meeting then? And there was just kind of really none of that at all. You know, there were a couple, there were a couple of things from the fella from the Green Party, but they were quite easily battered to one side and, you know, it, it, it all went rather smoothly in that meeting. And I think from that point on, I was just thinking to myself, oh, well, Nothing's going to be standing in the way of this project then, even when it got, you know, got sent through to Robert Jenrick. I was thinking to myself, oh, well, nothing's not surely going to go wrong here. And then mm. as, soon, as soon as I was thinking that, all this stuff with Liverpool Council happens. And I, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of thinking, oh, have I, have I spoke a little bit too soon? But I think it speaks to, you know, as I said, the meticulous work that's gone in over the last few years, the, you know, Bramley Moor was almost, it was almost used as a, a bit a bit of good news to end what was a really difficult week for the city and the council that, you know, they could push through, mm. they could push through that plan as, as easily as they could. You know, it, it was still, it was still prioritised and, and, and I think it should be prioritised as a way that the city can, you know, rebuild itself after, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. It's going to create so many jobs for so many people, not just during the construction, but when it's all built as well. So, you know, I think that's going to be, it's going to be an important part of, you know, this city's regeneration over the next, you know, five, 10, 15, mm. however many, however many years. So, you know, to, to see that recognized, not just at a local level now with the city council, but, you know, at a government level as well. And it, it, I think it's just, it is just a testament to the work of everybody, you know, behind the scenes, you know, from, Farhad Mashiri, who had this as one of his main aims when he came to the club, right down to, you know, everybody who's worked so closely with us. You know, you mentioned Mo there. I absolutely love Mo. I was speaking to him earlier today about the stadium as well, and he was absolutely, hmm. he was absolutely delighted on Friday when I was, I was texting him about it. So you know, it, it, it's just, it, it's an amazing bit of news for everybody in the club at the club, of, of course, but it's amazing for everybody in the city as well, and you know, all Everton fans. You know, quite rightly, just uh, can't wait really to be uh, to be sitting in that stadium in three three just over three years time. Is it going to be something like that? So yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big day. And I think that that's the the next exciting part of it, I suppose. Dave is the you no, know, I I was I I was running down that way on on Saturday and I took a picture of the, the clock tower and people on on Twitter were obviously quick to tell me that. Uh, it was the wrong dock. I took a photo of, of course. Um, <laughs> does, does anyone know? Does anyone know the right dock on on that? No, yeah. by the way. Well, any, yeah, well you see, I always get it wrong. I know. Any time you see Liverpool fans down there taking pictures of cones, it's always the wrong dock. <laughs> <laughs> but it, remember, it, do you remember that video me you and Patty did a few years ago, Matt? I'm yeah, pretty that sure was that was the, the wrong, wrong dock, dock as well. As well. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think if you get if you get the clock tower in, I think that sort of. I, I, I thought that would have been acceptable, yeah. but I think if the right one is the one with it's like do you know like they have those, those sort like turrets on the, yeah. the walls for entrances. The Bramley Moor one has got a big turret in the middle and then two smaller ones either side, so you can yeah, get, like, yeah. get, get in both ways. But but yeah, you, but yeah, everyone obviously told me it was the wrong one, but I was sort of down there, I was thinking that the, the next part of this is, you know, obviously being in the ground is going to be exciting and, and what, what, what happens to Goodison and all the plans for that are going to be exciting slash emotional slash really hard for everyone, but the actual process of this thing getting built is going to be amazing for us, isn't it? You know, it's every every time people go down there, they'll see something a little bit different in regards to you know the framework of it, whether there be a, you know a particular piece of architecture. It's we're going to see this thing, you know, gradually build up on the on the front of the waterfront, and people who are coming into the city or whatever are going to be going, what, what's going on there? What's what's mm. what's being built down there? And I think I think that that part of it, and actually seeing. This thing sort of takes shape, pride of place on on the waterfront is is not really something I've thought about. No, not at all. Like I said earlier, I think it's going to be a tourist attraction in its own right, isn't it? Seeing people will be down there, I think, doing bloody what is it, uh, time delay stuff with the cameras and stuff like that. And pretty sure there'll be a camera around a few of the buildings around there, and um, just put in place for the entirety of time lapse, isn't it? It's what it's called. Um, all of that sort of things. It's, just, it's it's so exciting to to, to know what it's going to be, Do you know. Whilst at the same time being sort of still really in awe of, of this sort of structure that we're going to have and, and be able to call home. The the thing where I think will be really interesting is obviously the way they go about it. 
there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of things synonymous with that sort of the dock like buildings that we have down there. Everything the Albert Dock and stuff like that, the the, the brickwork that's going to be put in place. It, I mean, I think I remember saying at the time when the first original sketches were unveiled by Dan Mice, um, it, it looked like a little bit like a, 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 a flying saucer on top of a load of bricks, <laughs> um, to put it in very, very simple terms. And it's just for me watching them build that sort of scale up because you've got the traditional elements of, of that sort of much more conventional Victorian type brickwork going up. And then on top of that, you've got something that does look very, very futuristic. Um, each stage of it is going to be a spectacle, isn't it? And there'll be there'll be hundreds and thousands of people going down there, um, on, on any given day when you've got a day off or whatever for a nice walk down by the an area that has previously been derelict as well, which I think is an important point to stress. That the opposition to this was quite feeble, really, when you look at it, wasn't it? When you think what is going to be there and what's there now, it's it's just a barren wasteland right now. Um, I think some of the people who oppose this need to have a look at themselves, including some of the uh, the organisational issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, can can you just imagine thinking, you know, if you haven't been down there for a while and you haven't seen anybody post anything about it for a while on, on like a day, I don't know, month to month, maybe going down there and seeing the progress they've made, it, it, it's going to give us something to really hold on to, particularly when things get difficult as they inevitably do on the pitch. Um, Look, let's face it, I think everybody got a little bit tired and tedious in previous years when Everton had lose a game that they didn't expect to or the, they were on a poor run and then the club would do the old PR tactic of putting out a bit of good news yeah, about I, the stadium. I think uh, Adam was very heavily involved in that, weren't you, Ad? Which, sorry? <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 pro, the process <laughs> the process of, of uh, announcing something on the stadium the day after a defeat. I think you, uh, you, you, you guys are very much in league with the club on that, aren't you? Uh, honestly... <laughs> <laughs> three three years, three like three years of my life has been has been spent trying to bat that away. Yeah. But then t- technically, this news all came after the defeat, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but, that, but that but that's what I'm saying now. Now it's actual. You know, there's something tangible there now. It's not like you know. It, I, I'll take heart from it being there when we lose games. Say if, I don't know. Say we lost the derby at Goodison or whatever. You, you know, you don't have to go far to think I'm going better times ahead. You know, we, we we've done that in 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 the realm of sort of uh, I don't know something that isn't going to happen or not be real. To now being able to say, well, do you know what times might be a little bit difficult for Everton and the hands in the mid table, whatever it is, having having a bog standard Everton season, and then being able to just look onto the waterfront and think, do you know what, this is the thing that's meant to change all that. Um, and 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 I, I for one, will take half from it actually being a structure and not something in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love the idea of the club like saving all these like nice images of it getting built and like time lapse videos for, for when we lose a game and they just <laughs> put, put yeah, them out. Lads, better times put, coming. Yeah, put them out straight after. But just just final thing on on this ad as well. You know, like like I said, I was I was down in that that area of town the other day and. You know, the, the the actual thought of a of a massive arena that being down there is is still you know unfathomable and, and you know still feels like a bit of a fantasy and it, it did sort of get me thinking back to before this was all confirmed and and what we were thinking about in regards to stadiums I think after the Walton Hall Park thing fell through in in that farcical manner it sort of felt as though we're going to be at Goodison Park for the foreseeable future. They've, they've explored every avenue. And I think mm. at that point, you know, if someone had said to me after that, that general meeting, of course, where there's that very public, you know, crossing of wires in regards <laughs> to Walton Hall Park, that Everton are actually going to be looking at building a, a stadium on the docks in a few years. It would have said, get out of here. You know, it, mm. it felt like the opportunity for, for that, that process is gone. And I think with that in mind, whatever you, you think of Farah Mashiri and his ownership of the football club and the decisions he's made, good and bad, um, this this project and what it has the potential to be has sort of got the potential to offset all of that, hasn't it? Yeah. Thank God they chose this over, like, was it Stonebridge Cross? Was oh, God, place? yeah. Uh, just the road from me by the, um, not far from the showcase cinema. I bet, I bet you were gutted yeah. it, wasn't, wasn't built there, weren't you, Dave? You would have, you, you would have been home from the match within 10 minutes. Every yeah, that's day. what I mean. I could, walk, I could walk to the game, literally straight down uh, across the Thorn Avenue. But yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> You know, it's easy to see why that was considered the cheaper option. I mean, if you go down there now, I know there's a lot of um, redevelopment and all that happening around there in terms of new housing going up. But yeah, it's it, it's a pretty pretty horrible sight to be honest with you. That in and around there, it's just like I say, if you think Bramley Moor Docks like a bit of wasteland right now, 
you should see what it's like there. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's much much worse. So yeah, and 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 I mean that that brings back horrible memories, doesn't it, Adam? Because you, you think of what happens with the Kirby move and everything feeling oh. like it was let's take the cheaper option here, guys. And now it's like since Machiri's been in and properly taken a, a strong hold with all this that it, it was always going to be Bramley Mordock or Bust, really. Well, yeah, Machiri coming in and actually having a bit of money means that mm. we can, you know, not not share our stadium with a supermarket or yeah. <laughs> was it, it going to be like a Tesco superstore was going to be attached or something like that to Kirby, yeah. which was just... Dark days, it's, not, like, it's just a horrible thing to think back on, isn't it? And, you know, I think you're both right. You know, when you walk down, I, I don't think you've got any re- real reason to be down, like unless you live around there, really. You've got no real reason to, you know, if you were a tourist, for example, you've got no real reason to go down to those those sort of docks, have you, no. at the minute? So to be able to see a, a stadium quite literally, like, rise up from from the Mersey, at, the, at that point, it will just be, it will be quite quite stunning to see. And, you know, it, that's why, that's why I, I never really understood the, the heritage concerns that people would have because mm. people can't go and visit those areas anyway. So what's, what's the point of having heritage yeah. areas if, you, if you're not going to be able to show them off properly or anything like that? So, you know, I think Everton are, are, are opening up an area of the city that to, you know, the kind of regeneration that would be, absolutely transformative for years and years and years to come it, it just just absolutely spikes as a, an absolute no-brainer to me so i i, I really can't wait can't mm. wait to uh can't wait to see that stadium rising up from as i say rising up from the mersey to be honest because it's just going to be it's it's going to be properly weird to see isn't it like as i think as matt you know quite rightly said before you know it did feel like the idea of a dock stadium was mm. Was gone by the time the King's Dock had, yeah. had had been, and you know, there's the MS Bank Arena there now. You know, I remember like, you know, when I when I used to live around there, I was thinking that could have been could have been Everton Stadium, yeah. like right right on my doorstep, rather yeah, than just yeah. like rather than just the Echo Arena. But you know, it it, it it's, in a weird way, it kind of makes you think. You know, going through you know the Kirby stuff and the Walton Park stuff. You know, Bramley Mall Dock was always there. Like why didn't they just? Yeah. Why didn't why, why have we? Why has it took <laughs> this long forever to, to try and find this site? But you know, far had Mercedes come in, and you know he had he had the vision of you know wanting to wanting to invest heavily and get getting Everton a new stadium, and you know he's he's achieved that in what I would say is probably a relatively short space of time, considering that Everton have been you know essentially looking for a new stadium since the mid nineties, you know yeah. to to come in and get it all you know signed off and ready to be built within five years essentially is mm. is a massive mark of approval for for Farhad Mashiri and you know fingers crossed long may it continue over the next few years as we as we head into the construction stage. That, that that's so true about the arena. Like we got to a point, me and, and my wife well but whenever we'd walk along the front we used to live around there. It became a sort of running joke that I used to always say, oh, Everton, <laughs> Everton Stadium could have been here, because I used to say it all the time, and I sort of used to lament the fact that we could have had this this arena in the heart of the city on the front in prime location. And like whenever we walk past it now, she, she sort of looks at me and jokes and goes, oh, did you know uh, Everton, Everton's uh, new stadium could have been there, you know, Matt, and all this kind of thing. But I think it just goes to show the fact that how, how much I lamented the fact that it wasn't there. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be taking it for a walk anywhere near uh, the North Docks for a while, yeah. But uh, <laughs> certainly be able to say Everton Stadium is going to be in a great place from that point of view. But uh, no, really positive news from, from that aspect. Um, yeah, of course, we'll keep you covered on all that. Uh, do go check out all the stuff. Uh, great coverage from the Echo as well and Adam over the weekend. So go and look at that if you haven't already. Uh, we'll rattle through some, some other topics to finish off, lads, because it is the, the international break. Uh, one of them is something I'm still trying to get my head around myself, to be honest. And this is this proposal from UEFA that they're looking to force through a new Champions League format uh, this week, despite opposition for Premier League and others in Europe. So effectively, it will mean 36 teams involved in it going forward. They play group stages where they play 10 matches instead of six, and there would be a coefficient for some teams that could qualify. So, for example, this season, it would mean that the likes of Tottenham and Liverpool could go into the Champions League ahead of Everton because of their coefficients, even if they finish below them in the table. Uh, they're, they're the bare bones. There's obviously a, a lot more to it. 
uh, than that. But um, we've had a question on this as well from, from Matt Barry saying, with the changes to the Champions League being discussed, do you think the Europa League will get an uplift to make it more appealing and make the Champions League feel less like a closed, uh, sorry, feel like a less closed shot? Uh, before we, we answer that and speak about the Europa League in particular, which obviously may impact Everton more in the short term, I'll, I'll come to you first. Dad. What, what, what did you make of, of this report and the potential changes because it, it, depressingly it does feel like a, a, another step from being a, you know, the top clubs being European football's governing body, world football's governing body to, to sort of try and protect the status quo and, and the, the clubs in, in those positions of power at the moment. Yeah, I think you're completely spot on and that was probably that was the way I was looking at it to be honest and I think depressing is probably the, the right way to look at it. I mean I'd rather they just came out and said that they want a European Super League at this point because they keep beating around the bush about it with all these you know, little sort of changes and it, uh, this is the only way I can see it, I can see it going because this, this stuff about coefficients just baffles me, to be honest. It, like, How are you going to use your way for coefficients to, to try and decide positions like this? Because unless you qualify for like the Champions League or the Europa League, you're not going to improve your way for coefficient. So you're, I, 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 it just doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. it, uh, it, it <laughs> I can I sense the exasperation in your voice talking about it. Well, that's it. Like, I, 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 I feel like there's not much, there's not much that can be said, is there? Because I feel like they've already taken a little bit of a back step where they meant to discuss this in a meeting this week and instead yeah. they're going to discuss it in mid-April now so they've obviously seen a little bit of, of backlash from it and that's the thing like they keep like tentatively you know leaking out these kinds of things and then like kind of backtracking on them a little bit even the group stage sort of changes just seem a little bit weird to me that you play 10 teams in a group stage now is it and then the top eight go through and then the other eight go into like a playoff sort of thing for the for the knockout stages it just seems just seems a bit mad to me. So there's going to be over, I think I saw there's going to be over 200 Champions League games in a season. That's just, that's too much. It's too much Champions League. Like, I like, I like the Champions League and I, like, I do like watching it, but I think it's the, you know, the exclusive nature that there's only, you know, a couple of, a couple of matches that, or, or a couple of match weeks that kind of has the appeal of it. I, I, I don't want like 200 Champions League games a season along with, however many Premier League games there are, especially if they're all going to be televised as well. There's too much football. That's what what I've come to the conclusion of, Matt. It's too much football. And the the exclusivity of it just being, you know, the the little little mummies boys of UEFA (laughs) all all getting into into this competition as well just makes it... Even with, you know, if if Tottenham aren't good enough to get into the into the Champions League, I don't want to, them to get there just because of a coefficient. You know, if Leicester have not got a good coefficient, but they've qualified and like third in the Premier League, just let them be there. Like, what's what's the problem with that? Mm. I just yeah, somebody somebody else take over from me. I'm getting too. <laughs> yeah, Dave, feel free to, to carry on there. But you know, I, I do share Adam's exasperation with this because you know he's absolutely right. The you know, it feels as though you know, the, the windows are small for, for clubs like Leicester and, yeah. and West Ham and, and us already to, to have success in regards to winning silverware. And it's getting just as hard to have success in regards to, if you want to qualify Champions League as, as success in inverted commas, you know, that's difficult enough as it is. And, and this just feels like a move to make it even harder for those teams. Well, first of all, it makes a mockery of the name Champions League, doesn't it? Because if you know, we, we know already that the fourth place side can go on and win this competition. Fifth place side often, um, in, in recent years, has gone on to, to win the Champions League or get very close to it. It, it. The old format, I think, many people of a certain age who listen to our content, I think they'd very much celebrate if uh, if everything was brought back to straight knockout competitions and cup winners' cups and all that stuff. Um, well, it seems to me we're we're trapped in a vicious circle with this because it will it will bring about change. This has, by the way, for anyone who's not read up on this, that this has a real chance of happening. This is yeah. probably leaning towards this will happen when it's ratified on the nineteenth of April. Um, you know, it's not it's not pie in the sky. Um, 
former UEFA competitions, you know, the way people used to talk about them and there'd be some ridiculous suggestions in there. Like, I always remember listening to Lottie Sanchez, funnily enough, uh, it was full of manager one time randomly and he was talking about how, you know, we need to give the away teams a goal head start against certain opposition and stuff. And I, I just wish people would stop trying to tinker with stuff that's that, that's not broken. Reforms, absolutely. I'm, I'm on board with certain changes. I'd be on board with different ideas that they could bring in, but not to the level of making it, what, a 36-team competition with 10 league games of varying opposition. Um and, and and then you know playoffs and all that stuff and uh, and with Adam I think we digest so much football these days that it makes game games even of a certain standing feel a little bit mundane. Um, you know if you look about it, you know if you're Europa League team, which and obviously you're, you're massively in favour of the Europa League math, but if you you look at if Everton got into it and went on to win that competition, it's a season and a half of games. And what this will do, it'll go from 30 to, to, to win the Champions League under this format now. You have to go through 19 games as opposed to the usual 13, uh, which obviously the, the ramifications for that in terms of English clubs are quite significant because then the connotations are, well, what do we do about the domestic cup competitions? Many people in favour of scrapping the EFL Cup altogether, which is a bit of a joke, isn't it, when you think about there's only three Trophies you can never go for domestically every season, and ninety nine percent of teams aren't involved in in the league, and and the destination of where that goes, unfortunately. So the cup competitions are are the bread and butter for many of us football fans. You know what would we do if we won the EFL Cup? You wouldn't see a few of us for a few days or weeks, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> in in terms of celebration. So yeah, I mean, I I, I like the idea of of reforming some of the. European competitions, like I, was, I mean, I banged on for a while. I'm not in favour of this conference, the, the this third European competition that they're going to make, um, because I just think, well, you know, if you can finish seventh, eighth, ninth in the Premier League, that ultimately are you deserving of a, Euro, a European spot? Probably not. But then the fan side of it, which I'm sure you'd be championing the idea of, Matt, is you get to go abroad and travel with your team, and, and for many fans like you, there's nothing better than that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a pretty lousy idea. And just going back to that point I made about being trapped in a in, in this sort of vicious circle, the alternative to this was the um, project big picture that Rick Parry, the EFL chief executive, put forward uh, and and backed uh, when that idea came to the table. You'll remember a couple of months ago um, that th- these both the type of things where well we'll put two options on the table, choose one of them, and we'll all sit there pretty unhappy at whatever outcome comes to the fore. Yet, they will present that as, oh, you know, this is a better option than that Project Big Start. And the people in favour of that will say, well, this is even better than a, you know, a 36-team Champions League, literal league format. And and we'll just be stuck with, I think, a couple of options that I think many football fans, even those who are fans of elite clubs, um, it will benefit, of course, would have opposition to this because it's about the traditions and histories of the game. There's certain things in football that need to remain untouched. And I feel we're at a, on the precipice of something changing all that and, and, and there being something that is very much a, a corporate machine, very much something that is designed to make even more money than the riches we already see in the game. And it's quite depressing, really, to think about it that way. Yeah, it just, it just feels like... a a horrible amalgamation of the Champions League and what a European Super League might look well, like further down. It, it's sort of as like the, the sort of paving, you know, putting the, the, the paving in place for the Super League. Because, you know, if, if, if you're playing in a, a group stage and you're playing 10 games, that, that that is effectively a league in itself, isn't it? You know, I know it's called the Champions League, but the, the real eye-catching bit of it is, is the knockout stage of it. But if you're playing... 10 league games you know it is it's, it's, it's more of a league format than a knockout competition format isn't it it, it is and, and it that, that's the issue I have with it I mean obviously again back, going back to the definition the very name Champions League it's much more much more akin to what it's actually called I think that's the the only thing you can say about this by name it makes it a league um, but so, some of the some of the things and, and the connotations it has on other areas of the game it just aren't for me because I'd, I'd like to think we have in, in England the most robust sort of football and pyramid and system that there could be in terms of the depth we have of the Football League and even non-league. 
also the competitions, even down to the likes of the EFL Trophy and stuff like that, and the FA Vars of previous years gone by. And there's there's relative success at every every level of football. Um, cue the joke about Everton not winning a trophy for decades, but um, we we I think we're at that stage now where this this is quickly becoming by hook or by crook, whatever means they do it, a way in which to ostracise well, upwards of 95% of football clubs and, and making this about the elite and the, not just the elite, the financially elite, which again, there are many issues with that. The thing that gets me is that I feel many Evertonians say this when they are discussing the idea of a, a you know a, a breakaway European League or whatever it is. And it's that, well, just let them go. Let them go do their own thing. We'll stay here and do what we've always done. I, I don't like that sort of chatter because I feel as if, firstly, it massively um, dilutes the English game. If you, can you imagine if we don't have a Merseyside derby? Can you imagine not playing Man United in the Premier League? Um, don't tempt me without a Merseyside derby. We're fine at them now. We're up, we, have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we haven't lost in any of the last three. We're, we're laughing. Bring them on. All, all, all of the conventions that we all love as football fans are based upon a, a like, I'll say it again, a robust football pyramid and system that I think is in danger, real jeopardy of being spoiled by, you know, let's face it, a really small sort of, quota of teams that just want more money. Um, they make no secret about that, of course. We see that with this, the, the sort of corporate pressures of the game these days. And you look at, and you look at what our own club have got to go and do to try and rub shoulders with them, um, get into hundreds of million, millions of pounds worth of debt to go and build a new stadium to have those corporate facilities that should boost the, the coffers financially and get us somewhere near parity. Um, for many other clubs, obviously, that that's too far gone. Uh, they're not able to do that by any means. So I think we should count ourselves lucky, really. But, you know, the, the, the sort of the other side of it as well is like the, the, the can't beat them join them attitude as well as one of frustration for me. Um, Shady constantly talking about this window of opportunity and stuff. Where it doesn't sit well with me, and, and obviously I'm very, very thankful that he's the, the person who's making all of this happen for us. But the other side of that coin for me is... <laughs> Should he have to? Should that be the way? And I know it's the way football is, but the fact that it's so financially weighted um, at every single level, I mean, there's only putting together a piece for, for Five Live earlier today about this bailout and the loan that uh, the EFL are providing for clubs who are in, in difficulties across the pandemic. And, you know, if they don't subscribe to that, if they don't sort of stand on the edge of financial turmoil, then they're just left to rot. There's, yeah. there's no real backbone in, in the game anymore, I don't feel. Um, and, and this sort of thing, messing about with formats and stuff that just leans towards the elite in, 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 this, in this, well, certainly in our country, but across Europe, is, is really depressing for me, you know, because I, I do believe it'll happen, it'll happen sooner or later and um, there will be some sort of breakaway elite establishment that, is a closed shop that doesn't have promotion relegation and becomes possibly a little bit more akin to what we see with the NFL. Um, and that, that's not football for me. And I really hope it doesn't come to that, but this sort of thing is, you know, this language we're hearing right now, it epitomizes the very dangers of what we, we, we stand to lose as, as a footballing community, I think. And you just got to hope the fans will take exception to this. Although, I don't think many will, because if you're you put yourselves in the in, in the shoes of let's say a Chelsea fan to remain in pass and not talk about the other lot, you would you would sit there and think, well, do you know what? Can I be bothered going to Burnley this weekend? Can I be bothered? <laughs> I don't know, you know, playing Watford if they come up. I'm just just spitting teams out here, even going up to Everton. When do you know what? If we're part of this, you 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 wait for Super League. Then you know we're playing Bayern Munich and go to for a weekend in Munich on the reg, um, you're playing an elite team every single week. Whilst that would be appealing, I'm telling you right now, it'll get pretty boring eventually. You're yeah. just playing the same group of teams and you don't have that romance of an FA Cup tie or you don't have that, you know, the ifs, buts and maybes of, of drawing the lower league side or, you know, a, a team in the Premier League that have to win to stay up. You won't get any of that. And I just think it would be so, so boring eventually that even, even the people that champion its cause right now 
will ultimately look at it and think, Do you know what, the old ways were much better than this. There's a reason, you know, the the, the football league has, has survived for 150 odd years, whatever it is. Um, so there's a reason our pyramid yeah. that we have right now is the best about, and that's because it allows us all to enjoy it in whatever facet we see fit. And I think these fabricated ideas of grandeur are just going to be so de- detrimental to the cause. And I think it turned a lot of people away. I think it's actually bad for the sport, not just our team, Everton, if we were to put it in that context. I just think it's a really rotten idea for football. Yeah, um, totally agree, mate. Uh, really impassioned stuff there. And let's, um, let's have a chat about our team and Dave mentioned just to finish off. Um, obviously, Everton are back in action again on Monday. Ad. Um, James Rodriguez has been back training again mm. with the first team. Lovely to see him back on the training pitch with a smile on his face last week. Uh, is everything going to be all right now he's back and fit again? <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a question. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, came out of nowhere. But, uh, well, I really do think it depends on what, what system we play, I think. Over the, over the last few weeks, we have kind of struggled to find a formation that regularly suits the team. Like, it did look for a little bit like, you know, that narrow diamond in midfield might be the way to go. And then it very clearly seemed like that wasn't the way to go in the Burnley game. Uh, and then, you know, you still wonder, is 4-3-3 the right way to go? 4-4-2, you know, I, I think you do kind of wait for Charleston if you don't put him up front with Calvert-Lewin. So, yeah, I think it's it's hard to put it, all the influence down onto one player, but I do think that, you know, the influence of James Rodriguez has been so badly missed. Like, it is weird to think that we haven't seen him play since that Anfield derby. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and did he only get about an hour in that game as well, if I'm right? I think it was less than that, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, so, yeah. you know... It, <laughs> He, he, he plays such a huge role in that game, of course, in the first few minutes. And, you know, it, it has maybe been that little bit of that little bit of creativity and, you know, that technical quality, I would say, in the final third that we've been that we've been missing a little bit. Because yeah, I think when he's on the pitch, I think players just naturally look towards him. Don't mm-hmm. they, 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 I think all the teammates are just like, all right, give the ball, give the ball to Hammers and he's probably going to do something mad with it. So let's just let's just see what he can do, and we've we've kind of missed that a little bit. You know, Sigurdsson, I think while he's improved, he can only do he can only do so much in that sense. Uh, Iwobi hasn't really cut it when he's been in the side in terms of replacing that sort of aspect. So, you know, Hammers is he's just a unique player in the squad, isn't he? Like I would say, anybody anybody we signed in the summer, uh, you know, Alan Ducore, Godfrey, I think they're all unique members of the squad, and I think. The side is uh, is lesser for having any of those individuals out of the side. So, you know, to have somebody like Hammers back, you know, hopefully in contention, hopefully he'll be able to uh, to start against Crystal Palace. Then he could prove to be the difference because, let's be honest, we all know how Crystal Palace are going to set up, don't we? You know, yeah. it's a it's a Roy Hodgson team playing away from home. They're going to, you know, two banks of four. You know, try and try and break us down and. I feel like I've said this for years now, but it's notoriously those kind of teams that Everton have, have kind of struggled to break down. And, you know, I think over, over the last few months at Goodison, especially, you think we've seen we've seen the evidence of that, haven't we? With especially Fulham and Newcastle, obviously they, they pressed us a little bit more than uh, other sides might have in past years, but it was still very much a, you know, we're going to set up defensively solid and then hit you on the counter-attack sort of game from both of those sides. And they were successful. So I think Roy Hodgson will be looking at both of those games and thinking, yeah, well, our, our, mm. this Crystal Palace team can can do similar. So hopefully James Rodriguez will be back in the team and he'll be back on top of his game because I don't think there's any defence in the Premier League that's going to be able to uh, to keep some of his passes out, particularly uh, if he's fully fit and raring to go. And you know when you've got the likes of an informed Richarlison or Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the end of them, then you know Everton are going to be in a in a much better place for it, which is, you know, what I will say is it's on the other side. It's really, really good that, you know, the likes of Richarlison have had a bit of a rest over yeah. the last couple of weeks rather than the going all the way to Brazil or whatever. You know, we've had Richarlison, Alan, Yeri Mina, you know, and, you know, Hammers as well has been able to to get back fully fit again, mm-hmm. which I think could be 
could be invaluable over, you know, especially the next two games. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be looking at these next two games and thinking, right? If if we've got the ambitions that we have, then we've got to be taking six points out of these. So let's just uh, let's just see how they react to this international break. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Adam said everything's going to be all right now. Hamez is back. I think we can take <laughs> we can take from that. But I think I think what's what's been good, Dave, and I think obviously those fixtures get suspended has been a bit of a blessing in disguise for, for those players. Because I think certainly Hamez, you would have imagined he would have found a way to get on international duty with Colombia and and play a part in in yeah. some degree for them, given how how important he is for them. But it, I think probably since the injury he had in December, Everton have sort of you know, rushed him back quite a lot. You know, you think about that game against West Ham on New Year's Day and we were all so shocked to see him in the squad. Um, mm. Obviously, came off the bench and was nowhere near fit. And it does sort of feel as though they've been managing something with him since then. You know, he's played an hour here and there. He's played the odd game and, and not look quite on it. And maybe after that Merseyside derby, they sort of looked at it in a four. We just, we just need to give him time to get back fully to 100% here. And the temptation might be there for to bring him in for the City Cup game or for Burnley at home or something like that. But... It feels as though the club have just been absolutely ultra cautious in in maintaining, you know, in ensuring he gets back to full fitness, and and hopefully we'll sort of reap the benefits of that over the, over the last ten games now. Well, I think they finally discovered. I think what many of us have, uh, what's been an education. I think this season with James Rodriguez and having having a, a player of his quality and, and world class ability at our, at our club, um, which let's face it, we haven't had. Uh, well, we've had sporadically, and that's putting it nicely, isn't it? <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in years gone by, maybe Lukaku can hold the candle to that. Um, but in terms of technical ability, there's nobody like this lad that I've seen probably since the days of Kanchelskis and, you know, my thoughts on him, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of conflicting thoughts on this because I, I'd like to think that Ancelotti and the medical staff have ultimately put pay to this idea that Oh, it's okay. We can we can rely on him for twenty minutes, half an hour a game, um, because he has that quality and he can, you know, he's got a left foot like a tin opener, all that sort of thing. Um, that idea, that notion, to me, has been quite a futile one that we've come to pay the price in trying to implement at times this season. Um, like you say, the games where he hasn't looked fully fit. I think I hope they've all collectively come to this idea that well, he doesn't get on the pitch unless he's fully fit. Um, and obviously very a very simple idea, but I think sometimes Everton have looked desperate to try and shoehorn him into the side this season, and it, it hasn't paid off. Um, let's face it, the, the games when he hasn't been fit, he hasn't been anywhere near as effective as he wanted to be, and and then you know I go as far as saying you're looking at it being a waste of a position in in our attacking quartet or trio or whatever it is, however we've set up on that particular day. Other side of it to me as well. Um, with an eye on next season, because I think it's that time of year when your thoughts turn to that. I know we've still got bagfuls to play for in theory this season. And who knows, look, we're, what are we, five behind Chelsea in fourth with a game in hand? That, 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 I'm, I'm not giving up that ghost until until at the very end of that sort of effort this season. I think we've got the fixtures. I think we've got the personnel, if they're all fit, to be able to still trouble those positions. And it'd be a crying shame if we didn't get into Europe after the efforts we put forward this season. But I'm looking at in 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 the context of Hammers. Do we do we all think he's hanging around for next season? Yeah, I yeah, I I think so. Yeah, so I'm not sure um, because I feel as if he will have seen this as an adventure and something playing in the Premier League is perhaps a little bit of a novelty. And that 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 comment's not intended to just to do a disservice to him, his abilities and how well he's done when he's been in Everton shape because I think he's been phenomenal. I know there are a few detractors out there who think he should have done a lot more. I think at the age, fitness level and and sort of where Everton are right now, I think he's done a really good job when he's played. I think the the experiment that is James Rodriguez has been one that's been successful for me in an Everton shirt. I wonder if on his mind there are other things. I'm I'm not too sure, but we're not used to having a player of this ilk um, on our books. And and I don't know. Was it was it? You might be able to tell me this, Adam, and it might just be something that I've seen in passing that I've read completely a different thing into. But was the was the talk from somebody associated with him about perhaps going somewhere else? Am I saying have I have I completely made that up? I can't say that I've. I can remember anything like that. But might have been I, a, I might have just not seen it. Yeah, it might have been an, a, a piece in 
in, in his homeland or whatever it was. Or in, I think it was actually in Spain where I read this um, about him looking for sort of one last big move in terms of, you know, an, an elite side that we can go and play Champions League football with or indeed um, in, in South America. I mean, I, I'd be, obviously, I think, speaking for everybody, when I say you'd be devastated if you saw them in a complete one season when the majority of us, you two, the exceptions here, haven't seen him in the flesh. Well, I, I didn't see him in the flesh, Dave, because he missed that Chelsea game I got to go to, yeah. You're not yeah, even on the bench? He missed no. all the games that Everton fans were there for. <laughs> well, that means he's going, then, doesn't it? That, that, that he's doomed. <laughs> we're doomed not to ever see him in the flesh. He might just perhaps speculate whether he's real or not. But... No, but I think the, the, the interesting... I sort of get where you're coming from, but yeah. So he's got one year left on his deal in the summer, hasn't he? With Everton have got the option to activate mm. a third as well. I mean, I, I just don't see anyone coming in and paying a lot of money for him or the money Everton would want for him. When you think, he's you think 30 that... this summer, his, his injury record obviously has been an issue this season as well. Again, I mean, purely my, my own thought on this is that there could well be some sort of agreement in place that a, a player like that and, and how Everton acquired them, there'd be something in place that, you know, if it, if a team may be from uh, Colombia or South America or somewhere where he effectively wants to end up finishing his career, will come in, then there's a there's maybe a gentleman's agreement in place or something like that. Because if you're serious about having him as a linchpin in, in an Everton side. What is he, 31, 30? 29. 20, I mean, he's still only 29. I just don't see him. I, I just don't feel as if he finishes his career with us. And if you're a, a club who, 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 who he desires to play for, let's face it, there's not many. There won't be many on his list if he thinks, you know what, I fancy a bit of that or I fancy going to the States or whatever. All that sort of thing. I just... I, I just don't see him staying. At, I don't know why. I just don't see him staying at Everton. I just think it's a, it's got a Samuel Eto'o type of feel to me. I'm not too sure why. I'm not too sure if it, why I can't put my finger on why I feel that way. But I don't know. I, I think the idea of him coming and all that sort of thing is very much what the club's intention was, wasn't it? It was to get a marquee player in like that, who's what, well, relatively, can we say still at the peak of his powers, maybe just starting that downward trajectory towards um, his swan song in football. But I don't know. I, I could definitely see a club coming in for him. I'm not sure where from. I don't think it'd be a Premier League side. But I don't get the impression that he's he, he's yearning to be around Everton. I think this is more of an, an experimental decision from him to come to the Premier League with a club like us. Obviously, Ancelotti plays a hu- huge part in that. But yeah, I mean, I really hope he's around for next season because you know, for for the selfish reason that I want to see him in the flesh. You know, you you'll have you've seen him a few times, Adam, won't you? Yeah, fortunately, yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's still, as I say, it's still a bit hollow though. It, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to try and describe that to people. But you know, getting to the getting to still go to Goodison is great, just for the fact that you know I still get to watch the games. Mm. But it's not it's not as if I'm going to the game. It doesn't it doesn't feel like that. Like it's still. Yeah. It's still just a, 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 an empty shell, essentially, and without fans in there. You know, the fans, the fans make the match what it is. So even our, even that time when we had you know, two thousand fans there, that just felt in a completely different world. So I'm looking forward to you know hopefully, yeah. you know they'll be able to have ten thousand fans. I think they're saying yeah. for the uh, for the last home game of the season if that gets rescheduled. You know, fingers crossed that can that can come off because I say like it, it'd just be good to to have you know. People finally see Hamid Rodriguez play in the flesh. You know, it's it's absolutely mad that you know, you've been here for you know nearly a whole season now, and that still hasn't happened. Do you, know, do you know, think the other side of this as well, though, is that he'll be wanting to still play Champions League football, won't he? He's not. Hmm. He, you can't say he's a guy who lacks ambition. Um, even though you know many of Evans detractors would say, yeah, he does if he's come to us. But, <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm just talking in the sense of. He doesn't strike me as the type of player who'd want to finish his career and, and just have it peter out in, 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 in a mercenary sort of way. Um, do, do you know what I think? What what all this this is indicative of to, for me, Dave? What you're saying here is that is it it's all it all reeks the fact that we don't know much about this lad still. 
Yeah. And, and, no, you know, I agree. We, 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 we don't, seen, we, I don't we, think we've seen the best of them by any means. We've, we've seen interviews he's done with the club and stuff like that, but I think, I think you know, it's sort of bringing this back to being in the ground. You can sort of get a, a feel of what a, you know, a person is yeah. like, and, you know, it, it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all of what they're like when you view them on a football pitch because people act differently, but you can sort, that, of, yeah. sort of gauge an opinion by how they are and, and what, what you see there and how they, they react to little things that happen on a football pitch that you don't pick up when, it, when it's on the television. And I think, you know, a lot of it is the fact that we haven't seen this fella for a while. And I think automatically in our heads, we go to, well, you know, he's been injured, he, he's really good, you know, does this mean he's, he's going to move on elsewhere? And, I suppose what we're all trying to do, and not just in football, but in, in many aspects of life at the moment, is just fill in those gaps ourselves, and mm. and that that that's sort of where where we are at the moment. But I don't yeah. know. I, I think he might feel as though he's got a bit more to prove in the Premier League still um, next season. Obviously, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a bit of an up and down campaign. Obviously, the Angelotti influence is is really important. Um, from what we have seen of, I think you know, I don't think he's in love with the area as much as Carlo is with Crosby, put it that way. But, you know, he's, he's, he's very happy in all the interviews he's done, training photos, smile, and, and that, that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned. And, and like I said, if, if Everton wants, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the case that Everton have got the option to extend. Yeah, they yeah. So, yeah, maybe he's being very cynical, Dave. I think, well, no, it's, it's, it's just, when you read a lot into things, I'm... I'm yeah. Fatalist, as you know, <laughs> but when, when when I look at stuff like that where no fans have seen him play, um, that that sort of thing sticks a lot in my mind. So I think, you know, what is this ever going to happen? Is it one of those those Everton things where I, I've never seen him in the flesh? He's he's been and come and gone, and we've not get to had the chance to see him. I just feel as if it'd be a perfect Everton like scenario if that if that was to come to pass. I'm, I'm more excited about seeing John Philippe Gabamon anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah, what a day that's with or without fans. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, what's going on there? Is he? Is he? What's happening now with him? He's back, he's back. back in like training with the group now. Like full training. Yeah, he's training training with the group. It's it's, it's oh. the day has come. He's and, and randomly against Crystal Palace as well. Yeah, made his debut against. You presume yeah. he's going to get minutes before the end of the season now, which you well, know is is massive for him because I kind of written him off from until the end of this season. And think one person, one person who hadn't was uh, was Ancelotti, wasn't it? Because he, he he's well, put, yeah. in his comments, Adam, which obviously you've seen a lot more of than me. He's put a heavy reliance on him for next season, hasn't he? In terms of a player, we don't have to go a, a position we don't have to go and invest in. Well, that, that, that's what I was going to say. It kind of puts a little bit of pressure on him, I, I would yeah. say, for those last ten games of the season. Like, obviously, we're not expecting him to be at the peak of his powers or anything like that. But you know, he does kind of have to show Ancelotti something in terms mm-hmm. of you know stepping into that defensive midfield role. Like I, I wrote a piece earlier this week suggesting that, you know, we've got players who can play in defensive midfield, but I don't think we've actually got a defensive midfielder they, you know, if you discount Gabamon. So this is Gabamon's opportunity. You know, it's the same as it's the same as what he had when he joined two years ago. Mm-hmm. Can he step into the shoes essentially of Idrissa Guy? Not in terms of being the exactly exactly the same player, but being that influence as a defensive midfielder in the squad. He's kind of got, you know, 10 games now from now until the end of the season to, you know, get himself to a certain level of fitness and, you know, show the kind of qualities that Ancelotti is going to want because, you know, I think Ancelotti's shown last summer that he's not scared to go out and buy a player if he thinks if he thinks that he needs it. So, you know, it, it could be just yet more competition for Kabamon next season if, uh, if he doesn't show anything for these last 10 games. So I just hope that it doesn't put too much undue pressure on him because I, I'd kind of like them to just have a bit of a free run from now until the end of the season yeah. and just be like, you know, go out there and do whatever you can. It's, it's the it's the human side of this as well, I think. I, I, I always remember when um, when Barcelona signed Usman Dembele and he got injured very yeah. early on, didn't he, when he went there? And he was sort of speaking about it and saying that, you know, it's not just being injured, it's you've arrived at a new club in a new country where you don't know anyone and yeah. you're, not, you're not seeing anyone other than the physio every day. You know, you, you're going into training with the same players and people think you're all together, but you're not because you're, you're not doing the same sorts of things you're doing as, as them. You're out in, in different areas. You're doing different kind of work. And, you know, I think Dembele had three or four months out and he found it really difficult to, to sort of recover and, and come back from that. Batman's had it for two, two years. You know, he's, he's, he's been, he would have been completely on his own. You know, we've, we've seen nothing from the club really up until this week in regards to, to interviews with him or photos of him or anything like that. No one's really been knowing what's going on with his recovery and that kind of thing. And 
that must have been so hard for the lad. And, and factoring, obviously, as well, within a pandemic, it, it must have been so difficult for him. So just to see him on the training pitch with a big smile on his face, actually kicking a football in anger was... Uh, was incredible so uh feel good story hopefully he gets minutes against crystal palace and, and... just on that matter i think as well the, the idea of of Gabaman and the theory of the player that he is is something that we desperately need right now as well as adam talks about pressure i mean if, if even if he sat on the bench against palace or you know whenever it is he, he makes his, uh, his re-emergence onto a football pitch and an everton kit i think all of us as fans have been looking at and thinking god oh, please please be good when you think about <laughs> The issues we've had in that midfield area this season and the chopping and changing and, you know, is this player good enough? Is Gomez good enough to be in there? I'd just love to see this lad and and, and be able to make a, a fair judgment on what he can offer us. Um, obviously, I don't think we'll be able to do that this season, like Adam says. I think, you know, you've got, you've got 10 games left and then he's not going to be, be, be playing internationally, is he? So you'd like to think of full pre-season in summer and then back to the, uh, the grind of the Premier League with Everton. Um, in August, later down the line, that's when you're able to make a fair assessment on this kid. Um, but <laughs> right now, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think, well, you've got to throw him in there, Carlo, because the rest of them are doing enough here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if Tom Davis is potentially injured. But exactly, yeah. We'll get onto that later in the week because we've gone massively over here. Who says there's nothing to talk about in international breaks? Eh? Uh, covered covered <laughs> everything the there. Yeah, Dave has made up a rumour about Hammers wanting to leave. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, we've done everything we've done everything we talked for five minutes at the start about haircuts didn't we oh yeah yeah I know <laughs> last week Pete McFarlane made up a room about Ben Godfrey going to Man City this week we've got <laughs> people are going to call us cynical all sorts yeah um, but yeah there we go cheers to Dave and Adam for getting involved uh, like I said do go and check out all of Adam's great coverage on the stadium uh, over the past few days on the Echo website. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, uh, you can always get it over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Multiple Everton shows every weekday. Uh, looking forward to and looking back at all of our matches. Uh, speaking to Dan from HLTCO, uh, looking at Crystal Palace tomorrow. So that'll be up for subscribers. Uh, looking forward to that. Always great insights from him. But yeah, cheers to Dave. Cheers to Adam. That has been your weekly show. We'll speak to you again soon here on the Blue Room. al equipo de BD en Columbus, Nebraska. Estamos contratando para múltiples posiciones con elegibilidad de bonos de inicio de trabajo. Nuestro plan de beneficios integral comienza para todos los empleados en su primer día, incluyendo los planes de seguro de bajo o ningún costo para algunas posiciones, las oportunidades de crecimiento de la carrera y más. BD está hecho para lo que viene en la salud y su carrera. Solicite hoy en jobs.bd.com jobs.bd.com Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.